Eldalorn lay straight west of the Vodla River. It sat among a small group of forested hills near the southern ocean shore. This is where many clans of Edelin had called home for thousands of years. The old footbridge had collapsed long ago. So to get across, Rovash, Fiona, and Ejlam were forced to climb down into the riverbed. Much of the water ran in shallow streams through built-up silt that made up the once rich river delta. It is like another realm down here, Rovash said as they forded the main river to the other side. Just as he'd predicted, he found himself soaking wet. E.J. and Roe took off their shirts and tied them around their waists. Fiona opened the front of her top to let in some air. It was still sticky hot, but she hardly noticed with the two half-naked guys glistening in the hazy sunshine. E.J. saw the look on her face and made a muscled arm motion. A smile bloomed on Fiona's lips. He cocked his eyebrows and kissed her sideways on the cheek. Soon enough, my love. She heard his words inside her mind. Fiona couldn't stop smiling. They finally came to the western side of the river and found it was like a wall before them. I will go to the south to see if there is an easier way over this, Roe said as he looked at the two and realized he wasn't going to get help from either one of them. His brother was slammed into the cliffside with a hot redhead stuck to the front of him. I'll do it myself then, Rovash rolled his eyes as he headed south. author narrator Carly Bon. I have been reading from Tales of Eldalorn, book one, the first of a trilogy. Today our three friends are still on the path to Eldalorn, and the river delta seems to be blocking their way. Fiona does all she can to distract EJ from being sad. And now for the rest of the story. Ejlam easily pulled himself up over the top of the grassy edge that his brother had found. Roe reached down and hauled Fiona up by the arm. She landed gracefully next to them on solid ground. It is just now a matter of following the path. Rovash pointed down to a stone walkway that was overgrown and barely visible. The three moved solemnly forward into the forest. Nobody felt like running ahead. Eldalorn stood silent and abandoned, but still in its full glory. Fiona had never dreamed of such a place. The tall, sturdy trees were larger around their bases than the whole cottage that she once lived in. An archway magically appeared through the bottom of the first tree as they approached. 
The door opens only to Edelin, E.J. said, as he picked a twig that had tangled in Fiona's hair. It remains hidden to humans or otherwise, E.J. added. Fiona just stood there stunned at the size of the place. Before they entered, Rovash honored his vow by kneeling before the tree in the spot where his little brother had disappeared. He humbly gave thanks for the return of his family. Rovash felt for the first time in a long time the smile of his mother in his heart. Ejlem took him up in his arms and hugged his big brother soundly for a long time, letting the years of sorrow wash away. The music of Ilmatar flowed like waves of golden light through the canopy of trees above them. What beautiful sunshine, Fiona thought, not realizing what she was seeing. The massive trunk opened up into a circular stairwell that followed the inside edge of the tree. The three made their way quickly to the top. Walls were covered with vines that climbed upward, and the floor was a scuffed gray slate. It all opened up into a wide reception area. This is one of many places where younger elves learn lessons from the Eldars, E.J. said to Fiona. There was no one left to be found, and it was quiet as a grave. It is too quiet, Roe was the first to notice as the hairs on the back of his neck bristled. The zinging sound of E.J. drawing his sword echoed across the emptiness. Yes, someone or something is here, Fiona hissed, her eyes shifting around as her staff magically appeared in her outstretched hand. I can smell it, Roe growled. Ogres! Just as the word left his mouth, three ape-like creatures leapt down upon them, snarling and grabbing for loose rock or branches to bash them with. Aye! E.J. yelled as he swung his blade upward through the lower jaw of the first one, impaling its massive head. The force of it knocked him sideways as the beast fell past him, taking his sword with it. He quickly drew his bow. Fiona hit the second ogre with one of her fireballs as three arrows slammed into its chest. Rovash was busy decapitating the third with one precise cut of his two-handed sword. Rovash skewered the last one that lay on the floor still struggling to fight. The wild ogre was oozing hideously where its flesh and hair had burned away. It looked like a pincushion covered in EJ's arrows. Now I can smell it. Fiona wrinkled her nose. Yes, said EJ. I will not soon forget that stench. Ro just smiled his knowing smile and tried not to breathe through his mouth until he was well clear of anything that might splash out at him. They are filthy. Fiona was disgusted. How did they get in here? They must have climbed over the top, Roe said, looking up to see if there might be more of them. Can we eat it? E.J. said, his face deadpan. Fiona cringed with a look of utter horror. I'm just joking with you, Fiona. You should know that by now. 
EJ shrugged at her. All he got for that was a quick slap to the arm. Fiona shook her head at his silly face before she turned and walked away with Rovash. I am hungry, though, he said loudly after her. EJ chuckled to himself and sighed as he leaned over to retrieve his arrows and sword from the smoldering ogre's corpses. By the time EJ caught up with them, Fiona and Roe had made their way across a woven branch walkway to their family home. The path widened into a small landing in front of a carefully carved doorway. Upon entering, the rooms were bursting with life and warmth, welcoming the Edelin who had returned. I could live here forever, Fiona said with her eyes wide. The floor levels seemed like they were hewn flat into the tree's own golden brown wood. She marveled at how ornate and yet comfortable everything was. These are our trees, Fiona, EJ said. They are alive, waiting for the life of the Edelin to fill them. It is an ancient pact that they desire to be with us, so, Roe added. And as an afterthought, he said, it seems smaller in here than I remember. Rovash turned and went out another door to look around outside, in case more wild ogres thought to make this their home as well. It is so sad that no one else is here, Fiona said, with a furrowed brow. Do they feel it? Yes. They feel the loss, EJ said. It would be the same desolation as when you tried to not be an elf and refused to sleep with your own kind. They feel it too, the emptiness. EJ looked into Fiona's fretful eyes. Can you hear it? A humming. Is that its voice? Fiona felt the tree pushing into her mind, whispering ever so faintly. Its tone felt sweet like honey draining across the back of her tongue. How strange! Fiona looked perplexed as she realized its speech was also taste rather than only sound. Fiona felt compelled to touch each part of the tree inside as she instinctively made her way along every wall to let this living creature know it was not alone anymore. It knows you care, E.J. smiled as he watched her explore. He could not help but notice how she made her way along the walls, touching them, much like his mother had when she would greet their tree. Your comforting actions are surely appreciated, E.J. assured her. The orchards are still here, and the place is all clear of more ogre signs, Roe said as he stuck his head through the door sideways and tossed EJ a huge cluster of grapes and a giant peach at Fiona. I am starving, EJ said, stuffing a grape into his mouth. They followed Roe outside onto a large platform of woven tree limbs. They were surrounded by a garden of vines and branches that intermingled, making it easy to harvest the fruit. The floor was woven 
so tightly, a dropped sword would not even find a spot to fall through. The top of the wood was worn smooth by centuries of bare elven feet. The whole village of tree houses was chained together by wide-hanging walkways. It was breathtaking. Rose still thought everything seemed smaller than he remembered as he bit into a juicy red apple. EJ just quietly smiled and was glad to be home, if at least for a little while. As evening crept in, each of the guys went to their old rooms to rest for the night. Can we stay here? Fiona begged. Forever? Forever? EJ asked. Fiona was nodding enthusiastically. I'm sorry, my love. He shook his head. Staying here would make our brother's life a misery to leave us, and I'm afraid he cannot abandon his fort just yet. Fiona stood there pouting at him. Her lower lip was sticking out sadly. EJ was hanging up their clothes in an attempt to dry them in the sultry evening. This damp air is why we never bothered with such things as clothes, he said, happily naked again. Fiona went to the window and could see fireflies milling in the darkness down below. They looked like twinkling stars near the ground. She leaned dangerously over the open windowsill. How will Roe explain our returning with him? Fiona asked. Won't they think he lied to them? He will just tell them the place was not fit for us to stay. It was a question to be answered, after all. E.J. assured her. We could come back sometime, couldn't we? Even to stay a short while and visit the trees. Fiona looked concerned for them. I am happily surprised our home is still here, E.J. said thoughtfully. Fiona... You know I would be joyed in seeing such happiness in your eyes again upon returning, whenever we can. Fiona squealed and danced around him like an elfling in her gleefulness. EJ could only smile at that. How different she had become from the dutiful and serious wizard's daughter he had first met. I can only think that I have rubbed off on you in some small way, to give you such joy. EJ started to say, but was interrupted by a red-headed elven girl who pulled him firmly into her lips for a long, warm kiss. You know how I cannot refuse you. EJ sighed, quietly gazing into her half-open eyes. They crawled into bed together, nose to nose. Nedepostag Aninneband Fiona breathed softly, tickling his ear. You can hear a new episode of Tales of Eldalorn every Thursday by 6 a.m. Yeah, that's me. Publishing 
early in the morning. Honestly, I feel like a paper boy in the early morning mist. Did you hear the thump as it hit the door? (laughs) That sure conjures up an interesting picture in my mind. Well, I'm awake now. So, to hear the rest of the story, push the subscribe button. If you're a YouTube listener, you can hear it by one o'clock. Because it's a bigger edition, and there's lots more visuals, as you probably figured out by now. But not to worry, Carly Bond has it under control. As much as you can, anyway. So I'll see you next time. Tales of Eldalorn. Tell your friends. Bye-bye. Elvish Lesson of the Day Do you recall in Chapter 1 when Marin reads a poem to Thendiel from her book? The poem I wrote is called Ilian Henny. It is an adaption from a poem from an unknown author. So now, here we go, and with feeling. Bendero galad. Nero ubeleg, lanthier tond, malongal. E glin aror. Olwa voro o, eme linwe, padded in erland. Vuin amin, thuai ed, nin tal. Fair land of light. Place of the great waterfall, majestic Malorns stay. Birds sing high above, branches ever entwined together we lay. Walk in sacred places, my beloved sigh beckons me, come. One thing that I would like to point out is Elvish does not always translate into English. The Elvish language is full of double entendre and metonymy. It can be very poetic at times and not very direct. So you have to metaphorically listen. This poem starts out speaking about a garden, but it quickly segues into something quite intimate between lovers. I wonder if that's why Marin chose to read it to Thendiel. So give it another listen and see if you can find the hidden references. You will find out if your ears are elven as well.
I'm so late to me.